It's time for the latest local, regional, and national sports topics of the day. It's the Sports Fan, presented by J&K Contracting. Ready? Break! Now, from the WATH studios, here's Connor Mills and Joey Madore. From the studios of WATH, this is the Sports Fan, a 970 and 97.1 FM. Connor Mills, the mic, alongside Joey Madore. As it is 6.06 on the clock on this 22nd day of October, 78 degrees and mostly cloudy outside. It's a sportsman presented by J&K Contracting. And, you know, we are, as I've said all week long here, Joey, we're getting closer and closer to the next round of the OHSA playoffs. Of course, that kicks off tomorrow on our sister station, WXTQ, 6.50 for the pregame as Heath Clemens and I will go out to Gloucester. As it is the Trimble Tomcats taking on the Burn Union Rockets. And to talk about that game a little bit more, as she's a reporter for the 740 Zone, and she has done a good job covering the team for Trimble, not only just this year, but she's also done a couple things for them over the past couple of years. But Sam Wheatson joins the program right now. Sam, how are you? Good, Connor. How are you? Doing all right. I saw that you guys released a little bit of a preview earlier today and uh, just breaking down a little bit of the Trimble and, and Burn Union matchup, uh, you know, Trimble, number one seed, Burn Union. They're seven and one this year. This is shaping up to be a pretty good game. Yeah, I agree. Um, Trimble definitely got a run for their money last week against Monroe Central, especially in the first half there. So I have a feeling Trimble's going to be forced to pass a lot, which is something that they've gotten used to over this year. But really, we haven't seen that from them in the past at all. No, but I mean, the passing attack by Tabor Lackey has been pretty good, especially when he. You know, finds his, I would say, number one receiver in Blake Guffey, because if you throw that ball anywhere near him, he's going to come down with it. Yeah, exactly. And, I mean, you know, talking to the both of them this week, they're feeling pretty confident, and I've definitely seen their confidence grow throughout the season, especially in Tabor Lackey. I mean, when they started this year, their whole offensive line was completely brand new, so they really had to start from scratch. But you can definitely tell, you know, each game they're getting more and more confident. Yeah, and Sam, I was actually just watch, uh, watching your story about five minutes before you went on the air, uh, coincidentally there, and uh, the quote that stood out from Coach Ferris was that he never even had a team where they didn't have a single returning offensive lineman, and that was just such a big question for this team coming into this season. I mean, is there a sense that, you know, they were kind of shocked about the success they had right away this year, or is it still expected despite the team being so young? Well, I think in a way... They were surprised just because it seemed like in the beginning of the year, you know, in practice and everything, they they didn't necessarily have any expectations like they normally would. They were just kind of going to take it each game as they go. And even says in the interview, too, that, you know, games that, you know, they've blown teams out in the past where now, you know, it comes down to a field goal like, you know, Eastern and Waterford. So even though they still are at the top of the hawking, like it's, it's definitely an entirely new team than we've seen in the past. Yeah, but, I mean, the defense still it always just seems that the Tomcat defense is holding strong year in and year out. It's not the same defense it was last year. You know, they gave up more points. Obviously, when you're giving up more than just six, anything would be more than that. Uh, mm -hmm. But they're holding teams on an average to 8.7 points per game. They had four shutouts in a row. Uh, what is this defense going to have to do to stop Burn Union coming up tomorrow? Yeah, well, just like Coach said, too, um, the defense has really been winning them their games. Like, the offense can you know, make plays and has had success and even a little bit of luck sometimes in the end zone. But, you know, their defense has been consistent enough to where they can hold off teams. So I think, you know, if they can force Burn Union to pass the whole game, I think they'll definitely be able to win. 
So what, obviously you've seen a few playoff games at uh, Gloucester Memorial Stadium now. What, what makes it different, that atmosphere, do you think, than going to play in some of these other places uh, when it comes to playoffs? And regular season games in general, too, it's always rocking there. But specifically the postseason, what's the difference in atmosphere when you go to play the Trimble Tomcats at home? Yeah, I mean, just the excitement. The whole community is there, even though, you know, during COVID there's less people in the stands, but you would not be able to tell the difference with the noise level of the Trimble fans, you know, goes beyond any other team that I've seen play. Yeah, and, you know, it wasn't a, a large crowd, wasn't the biggest of crowds that we've seen so far, I mean, obviously with the COVID regulations and everything, but, you know, the fan base still shows up, they're still out there, and they're still going as, as loud as they can be. Yeah, exactly. You know, you wouldn't, you wouldn't be able to tell the difference between the fans here now and the fans, you know, during a regular season without this pandemic. You know, they're still as excited as ever and as loud as ever, too. And it's been, you know, enjoyable to watch them grow, as you, we've talked about, all season long. We've seen the progression of Tabor Lackey. We've seen, you know, the defense progressively get better and better until they hit those four, you know, shutout back all four weeks in a row where they, they shut out their opponent. Uh, but they ran into a little bit of trouble last week against Monroe Central. They had Kilburn, who was a very talented running back. Uh, they're going to face another very good running back coming up in this game uh, by the name of Chris Prince, I believe. Yeah, Chris Prince, 6'1", 225 pounds. Uh, last week, you know, he gained 134 yards on the ground in just 21 carries. You know, what's going to be the key for Trimble's defense to stop, you know, yet another talented running back? Yeah, I mean, like I said earlier, um, you know, as long as they focus on, you know, kind of taking down their star players, they're going to be forced to pass. And that's what a lot of teams around here struggle with a lot. Um, so I think, you know, if they can do that and force Communion to have to pass the ball, I think Trimble will definitely have the edge on them for sure. Because, you know, as we've seen, Trimble is starting to, you know, grow in their ability to pass the ball too. Because in the past, they've relied on their ground game, but now it's, you know, entirely different. And there is a sophomore quarterback for uh, Burn Union. Uh, you know, Nate Nemeth. He's six foot, uh, six foot and uh, 190 pounds. Nemeth, 49 yards rushing last game, but only 78 yards passing. So they were able to depend on the run. Uh, they seem like a run-first team. And uh, not to take anything away. I mean, under 100 yards for for passing. So we're not sure if the sophomore quarterback can go out there and really do the job if Trimble takes away the uh, the run. So it'll be that's got to be the key. Yeah, I completely agree. I think, you know, their path to victory is definitely just forcing the quarterback to have to pass and not rely on, you know, their running back. Yeah, Sam, uh, you, you kind of talked about it earlier, uh, how at times this year the offense has been, what has been the, uh, the struggle and the defense has been what's been able to keep them in games, is there a feeling this late in the season that the offense has figured it out enough to a point to where they won't have to worry about getting stalled out if they play a good defense, or is that still a concern in your eyes if they play a really good team that the offense might still have the struggles it did earlier in the season? No, I definitely think that it's still a concern for them. I don't think that they're feeling, you know, like they're going to go in and win this game for sure. I think they definitely understand that they're still a young team that's making a lot of adjustments, so... I mean, we even saw, I wasn't personally at the game last week against Monroe Central, but clearly, you know, they were given a run for their money. So I definitely don't think that they're going to be overconfident going into this game. I think they're, they still realize that there's a lot of work to be done. So what I'm hearing is we need to blame 
whoever produces the seven for ozone for not going out and covering that one. Is that what you're telling me? Hey, I mean, I was at the Eastern game, and that was a lot of fun to watch, too. So. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. That's, a, that's a good one to see. That's a good one to see. Yeah, especially yeah. when Eastern reverse is called well. And, you know, I'm just, you know, busting uh, Michael Roth's balls a little bit because, uh, yeah, I mean, Trimble, it was a close game at the first half, uh, something that right. you, you, you might not expect to see out of a 1-16 seed, but they got the job done in the second half there. Um, well, and that Eastern game, too, was pretty historic. It was the first ever playoff win in the county. Yeah. So, it was cool to be at that one. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and you're going to be with the team all the way throughout the postseason now, right? Or are you going to be flipping back and forth between Eastern and Trimble? Um, I'm not sure about me personally, but I know that the 7-4 zone will definitely stick with both, both teams throughout the season. So I just kind of go where they tell me, but I've had a lot of fun watching both these teams this year. So I'm happy either way. And, Sam, a rematch is still on the table here. I mean, Eastern, they're still alive. They play a river team that just barely beat Waterford 7-6. to six. So, right. uh, you know, that I mean, I mean, I know I'm all for it, but what would you think of it? We had a TVC Hawking regional championship this year. I mean, that would just be crazy. Oh, that would be so that would be so fun to watch. And that's something that, you know, in your past, you know, we wouldn't have even thought of. So right. the fact that we might actually get to see that this year would just be that would be a lot of fun to watch. Tensions would be high. The fans would go wild mm-hmm. at that one for sure. Well, Sam, since you did see Eastern last week, I'll ask you a couple Eastern questions. First off, I mean, against River, do you think it was a close loss for Waterford, 7-6, to six, like we said, uh, Waterford losing to River. Uh, Eastern, you know, a little bit of an impressive come from, you know, they uh, reversed the uh, result from that earlier in the year, 26-14. I mean, what, what do you anticipate for Eastern against River coming up? Yeah, I mean, I definitely think um, it's going to be tough for them. I don't think this one's going to be easy. Um, I don't know much about River. I didn't see that game, but um, another thing that Eastern's been doing too is they don't have Ridenauer under center anymore. They have Yonkers, so they've been they've had that switch up now for a couple weeks. So I'm not sure who we're going to see play as quarterback for Eastern too. So that could have an impact on that game as well. Do you also have any idea? I know uh, Coach, Coach Newland's son was banged up last week and couldn't play, and he was on the fence about him when we talked to him Friday. Do you have any kind of update on whether he'll be playing or not? Obviously, that he's a big part to what they do on both sides of the football. Right. No, I, I have not heard an update on that, but that's another question we have, too. We're kind of curious to see yeah. if he'll be back out there because that's a huge help to them. I mean, they still have Fitzgerald, who's just, you know, absolutely, like, ran away with it for them as well. So <laughs> yeah. if he keeps playing the way he did, um, against Caldwell, it'll be all right. Yeah, Hannibal River Eastern tomorrow, uh, seven o'clock kickoff for that one. Then, of course, you know, following the Tomcats all season long, as it's uh, you know Trimble hosting Burn Union, and they would host all the way through. And I just saw this one too. I think that they're going to have the regional finals at the better seeded team too. I saw that article, and I can ask Trevor Stevens when he comes onto the program in a little bit. Uh, but I think I saw that one come across and that's another big game that they don't have to move for if that's true they don't want to do neutral sites at all now at least for the regional playoffs until you get into the state semifinals i believe it is the home home field advantage all the way through regions wow that is what i saw in an ohsa article and we can verify it with trevor when he comes up but right now samantha wiesnith appreciate you being on the program giving us some little trimble insight and i know that you'll be following you got to be following the basketball team when that comes around right Oh, I sure hope so. Yeah, I hope we keep covering Trimble because that's another team that's a lot of fun to watch, especially the girls' team, too, you know, has grown 
a lot over the past couple of years. Well, we thank you for your time, Sam, and uh, don't be a stranger. Call at any time. All right. Thanks, guys. Again, Samantha Weisness of the 740 Zone. Uh, she just had that preview tweeted out uh, with Tomcats and the Rockets. Uh, again, it's it's a big game, and I agree. One thing they will have to do is take away that running game. It was another talented running back. Uh, you know, in, in Prince, 134 yards rushing. Uh, they gave up a lot of yardage on the ground last week. So if they are able to solidify the run in the first half and take that out of the ball game early, Tomcats can uh, can get back to looking like a number three seed or a number three ranked team in Division Seven. Um, I think you're going to see kind of a similar matchup to last week. Whereas I wouldn't it wouldn't be all that shocked if in the first half we see a, a tight ball game, maybe Trimble falls behind by a score. Uh, because, you know, they still got a lot to learn as a, as a young playoff team. They've only played in one playoff game. A lot of these kids, uh, especially the O-line, as we mentioned, that's, that's, that's a pretty big deal there. So, uh, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if, once again, they get some fits early on and Burn Union's able to do some things that, uh, you know, that uh, causes them some trouble early on. Like, you know, we saw Monroe Central. They ran a 3-3 defense. That seemed to be something that threw Trimble off a little bit, and uh, they were getting in the backfield with that early in the game. Obviously, Trimble made their adjustments and, you know, came out with the big victory. But... I just think at some point, Trimble's going to have too much talent, too many kids. To, uh, they're just going to, at some point, they're going to wear you out physically and just their numbers and talent that they have at some point will, will show itself in the second half and they'll be able to just, they might be more of a grinded out victory this time around, but I think, uh, I think we're going to see another Tomcats win. Absolutely. You know, I, and I hope that we see another Tomcats win. They've been doing well all season long. They've got close wins over pretty good opponents. Um, you know, Nelsonville York, who's still in the postseason. Uh, Eastern Waterford nearly just upsetting uh, you know, Hannibal River, so it's it's all right there in front of Trimble, and they just have to go out there, get the job done, and take it. Uh, and I think you know, one of the other big keys is on offense. Uh, I know Coach Ferris said that he was planning on using Bryce Downs a little bit more in the running game, um, and I don't anticipate Downs having two turnovers in in the first half like he did last week. Yeah, no, that's big. Uh, I mean, we, honestly. The times we've seen their offense be kind of stagnant at times is when they're turning the ball over. So it happened in the Eastern game. The Waterford game they had a couple turnovers and that were unfortunate timing there when they're going in the score. There's not many times that they get, you know, put into a three-and-out situation. It's usually a, uh, you know, driving down the field and then a fumble or, you know, a bad pass gets intercepted or deflected ball, something like that. Um, but there's been very few times throughout the season that they've been stagnant on offense uh, there. They have been able to move the ball up and down the field. It's just that sometimes they get a little, they get a la get a little, little lackadaisical with the football, and then, you know, it allows teams to hang around. In the postseason, you got to limit that because any any slither of hope you give any kind of team in the postseason is dangerous because you know, they could take it, take the momentum, and run with it, and then just like that, you know, you find yourself losing a game that that you really should have won. Right, and it's take away the turnovers. It was a dominant game by the Tomcats last week. If they play a near-perfect game this week, I don't think they have to play perfect, but I do think that they have to minimize the three turnovers that they did have. Uh, take away the two two on the ground, I think that they're sitting all right and you know headed into uh, week number four of the OHSA postseason. So that's uh, you know, a little bit of a preview for tomorrow's show. I know Brad Walker and Troy Bowen will be you know, taking over the sports fan uh, this time tomorrow. At least we got Brad in here. I don't know who his co-host is going to be because you got to take off 
uh, tomorrow. And then we got uh, Brad and Troy doing the post-game show over on XTQ after. So we got Brad pulling double duty. Am I supposed to feel bad for him? I've been doing it all no. season. No, listen, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not saying feel bad for him. I'm just letting you know. I don't know who he's going to be with for uh, on this side of the aisle. You can always do the uh, the pregame, sh- uh, the high school football pregame show or whatever. That will cut him some time there. Yeah, I mean the uh, pregame show. Skip Masik, he does a nice job, um, and of course he always does a really good job with the uh, halftime show yeah. that they that they put together. I feel like it's over in a blink of an eye. Well, this year it is. I mean, last year I think it was what twelve minutes or something. I don't know if you. I were... don't know how long his show goes, but I know that high. Sc- I mean, the half times with the marching bands and all that. It feels. I mean, it's like twenty five, thirty minutes before you know. Well, they uh, used to back be... out on the field. There used to be four segments that you'd load into the system, and then he'd get. You know, it's his little commercial break, and then we go to a local break, and then another one. Uh, so it used to be longer than just the six minutes, and give you a little bit more of a breather uh, until you had to go back on the air, but. Uh, that, that, I mean, that's one of the other things I was shortened, you know, halftime. But we'll take a short break right here on the Sports Mail, break down a little bit of Nelsonville, York, as they travel to the Fairland Dragons over in Proctorville, Ohio. And then I believe Trevor Stevens calling in for the second half of the show. Uh, you know, he's a big Nebraska fan. And with Ohio State, uh, the Ohio State University, I guess, uh, you got to put the in front of it. Um, but with Ohio you State can. playing... All right, so I'll just call Ohio State then. But the Buckeyes and uh, Nebraska playing on Saturday. That's a Big Ten opener, and that should be a fun one. I know Trevor's looking forward to talking about that one and has a little question to try to stump Joey on something. I know the answer. I got sent the picture, but you know, I can't share. So mm. we'll, we'll wait to find out what that is. You're listening to the Sports Fan at 970 and 97.1 FM, WATH. From concrete to roofing to siding and windows, J&K Contracting has you covered from the ground up. Whether it's a room addition, a complete home build, or your commercial projects, let the professionals at J&K be of service from groundbreaking to completion. And don't forget they accept all major credit cards. They even have free seamless gutters with every complete roof installation. Don't hesitate to call J&K Contracting at 740-698-3521 for a free estimate. In today's world, the last thing you need is a broken cell phone. If you've got equipment in need of repair, Athens Cell Phone and Electronic Repair is here to help. Athens Electronic Repair services all brands of electronics, cell phones, tablets, game systems, and more. Plus, during the health crisis, Athens Cell Phone and Electronic Repair offers home pickup and delivery and a contact-free drop-off kiosk outside the store. Don't work from home with a busted computer? Call Athens Cell Phone and Electronic Repair at 740-590-1677 or visit the shop at 386 Richland Avenue, Athens. Integrated Services for Behavioral Health is the preeminent behavioral health organization in Southeast Ohio. It's an organization of over 300 like-minded individuals that provide services to some of the most vulnerable populations, believing in the resiliency of the individual. If you provide good services, if you care about the individual and you value communities, you know, the opportunities are endless. What in the world is going on now? Find out every weekday at 8 a.m. and 7 p.m. on the World News Roundup from CBS News Radio and on Classic Hits 970 and 97.1 FM WATH. You're listening to 970 WATH and the Sports Fan. What a fun bumper bringing us back into the Sports Fan on this 22nd day of October. That was the mic along with Joe Medora. It is the Sports Fan presented by JK Contracting. 625 on the clock. 
And, you know, tomorrow it's another big day as we move up from Division 7 to Division 6 as it's the Nelsonville York Buckeyes traveling all the way to Proctorville and the Fairland Dragons. Uh, for the Dragons, you know, they've that's had... That's a some, Saturday game, right? That's, yeah, that's a... Uh, yeah. What did I say, tomorrow? I think so, yeah. I don't know. The days are just meshing all together. I got uh, Saturday, of course, with Division 6. I think it's 3, 4, 5, and 6. No. It's 1, four, 2, five, 3, and, 7 are on Friday. Yeah, and 4, then four five, 5, and 6. 6 are Saturday. I believe that's how it works. Yeah, you're right on that because they got, again, 1, 2, 3, and 7 on Fridays. Um, I don't know why I couldn't just do first four. Yeah, I guess they, uh, they wanted to put... Yeah, I don't know. Couldn't tell you. Someone was feeling like switching it up a little bit. <laughs> well, I mean, it works out for us because we get to have the two games. Or, uh, yeah, that's you, true. We, we probably would have went both stations going. True, um, true. Depending on the day, because if it's Saturday, again, Ohio State uh, hits the airwaves. Live football action from, uh, I forget, is that a, a home game or a away game for Ohio State? It is at the Horseshoe. At the Horseshoe. So, either way, Nelsonville, York, they'll be playing... Uh, later on that day, Buckeyes are five and two. They've got the Dragons, and Dragons are six and one. They beat Rock Hill uh, for the second time this season, forty-one to seven. They're averaging thirty-seven point four points per game. The only loss is a shootout against Gallia Academy, forty-seven forty-three. Um, and they, I guess they did. You know, look, take a look at the article by Kevin Wiseman uh, with the Athens Messenger. Uh, he does great work with the messenger, and we'll try to get him on the, the program sometime next week as we talk more about high school football. Is you know, hopefully we get at least one of two teams, if not two, you know, ad- advancing through. But you know, Wiseman also says that they missed the powerhouse of Ironton uh, in the Ohio Valley Conference schedule that year or this year as well. So it's a uh, good year for uh, for the Fairland Dragons, and we got a caller on the sports right now. Caller, you are live. Hey, how y'all doing tonight? Doing all right. How are you? Oh, I'm fine. The frog's hair twice split. <laughs> uh, that's good. Yeah. Now, wasn't Fairland the ones that beat Nelsonville in their last playoff? That was Kirkland's. Kirk, okay. Yeah. I thought Fairland had. But... Yeah. Kirkland, uh, that was back in 2017 in the state semifinal game. Okay. Yep. All right. Well, y'all do a good job. I like listening. I just wondered. I couldn't remember. I thought I heard Fairland beat one of the Athens County teams, but I couldn't remember. Yeah, I think if I take a look at the Fairland schedule, I'd have to pull it up real quick, and I can I can get that for you. But I think there was a common opponent. Fairland, uh, I think they they beat somebody this year. That would have been a normal you know, TVC Ohio, TVC Hawking team. Okay. Well, I'm going to get off here. I forgot to turn the radio off, so... Talk to you guys later. Keep up the good work. Thank you. Well, we appreciate it. Thank you. Call in any time. Um, but, yeah, I think Fairland for right now. Let me uh, let me pull up their schedule right here. Uh, they, they, didn't had, play any, they didn't play any TVC teams. Uh, you got South Point. No. Okay. Gallia Academy. Chesapeake, Cole Grove, Portsmouth. The only, the only kind of a thing you can do there is Gallia played Wellston. They right. beat Wellston. Wellston beat Nelsonville York, but at that point, in this point of the postseason, you're you're just splitting hairs trying to figure out uh, yeah, what's going to happen in a playoff game. There's a reason both teams are here at this point in the season. So, right, and you know, again, the Buckeyes' their last postseason run was back in 2017, where they went to the state semifinal game, uh, and then it was Kirtland uh, who who defeated them there. But I mean, that was a, a talented team. I think they were 13 and 0 uh, going all the way you know, into the postseason and. Um, 
you know, looked pretty good. I was actually talking to Colt Yinger a little bit today about that run. And he uh, he still reminisces about it. Of course, he's one of the wrestlers here at, at the uh, university, uh, wrestler for Joel Greenlee and the Bobcats. Um, but he still you know, thinks back about those days with him and uh, you know, Keegan Wilburn. Uh, but that was a, a fun run. And he was talking about Colton Schneider a little bit, who, of course, has stepped up big uh, on the defensive side for Nelsonville, York, and also uh, has been running the ball pretty well, too, you know, sporadically, but still, you know, he's, uh, Snyder has, has really done a nice job and has been one of the leaders on that team. Yeah. And also, if I'm not mistaken, this was, this past weekend was Fairland's first ever playoff victory. I'm fairly, uh, fairly certain that's what Michael Roth had told me. Um, and of course, it could be wrong. I'm trying to fact check that as we, speak right here but that sounds like uh the correct stat they have made it before um but this was their first ever victory last week yeah i, I believe it is their first uh yeah so wiseman uh in, again in the athens uh, messenger says it was a first first playoff win in program history for fairlands uh it has lost previous postseason games back in 1993 03 13 and 2018 so you got you know, a, a couple of times that Fairland has made the postseason. Yeah, one fairly uh, recently. Uh, right. Back in 2018, they got they got dogged by St. Clairsville in the first round, 34-6. Uh, to six. Yep, but they pick up the first win. They are the three seed. Uh, Fairland Dragons are, uh, they're a high-powered offense. They've scored, you know, 40 points in the last four games, dating back to South Point on September 18th. Um, but as you take a look at their schedule, too, and it's I not... believe what the caller is referring to, Fairland and Athens did play that 2018 year, and Fairland okay. beat them 35-31. So it was Fairland and Athens. Yes, regular not... season game, not okay. playoffs. Uh, not that, was playoffs. Year, that was the year, I believe, Athens 18 would have been, what, the year they lost to uh, uh, Hartley first round. Yeah, that, that sounds right. Um, that was, uh, God, God, I think Clay Davis was a quarterback. That was a senior year. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, they lost yep. to Hartley 51-14. But Fairland and Athens played in the regular season that year. They both made the postseason. And Fairland beat them 35-31. Obviously, very different teams from a couple of years ago. Right. Um, and, and, again, I think we mentioned it on Monday, but the, the teams that Fairland has beat are not really – I don't think they have a win. No, they have one win over a team that's above 500. Yeah, in, a couple. In Colgrove. No, in Gallia, too. Oh, they lost to Gallia. You're right. Yeah. So they they lose to Gallia Academy, who's six and one on the season. Uh, Cole Grove, who's five and two. That was an early season win for Fairland, uh, and that was a 27-21 victory for for the Dragons. Uh, but then he got doubled up wins. Rock Hill back to back weeks, 42 to six, 41 to seven. Um, it's I'm, it's hard to get a good good read on this Fairland team because the teams that they have faced. Uh, have not been, I don't want to call them not top tier. I mean, they, they face Gallia. Gallia's a good football team. Uh, of course, Cole Grove's a good football team. But the other teams, just basing them off of their success from this year, you know, Rock Hill, again, they're 3-5. and five. Uh, Chesapeake is 2-5. and five. Portsmouth is 2-6. and six. South Point, winless this season, 0-7. Oh uh, so the, the competition that Fairland has faced, I don't think is as strong as what Nelsonville York has been tested against all season long. Uh, but... Who's best? Who has better win in the regular season? I would argue. I think that Cole Grove team. They're still playing. They got a chance to go on to the uh, regional semifinal. They're a part of that. I mean, they very well could be the team that the winner of uh, this game between Fairland and Nelsonville York goes on to play. Uh, you know, what was Nelsonville York's best regular season win? Minton County, Athens, 
I, you know, I mean, the closest win would have been Vinton County. Um, the most impressive win probably was their last regular season win against Athens, 36 to six. So, yeah, I mean, I mean it's they, they, they both yeah. didn't have the greatest of schedules coming into this year, but they're both playing really good right now. So that's all that really matters at this point. Um, as you said, Farrell played a really good Gallia team, very tough. I believe they had a fourth quarter lead, and Gallia kind of came back from a couple scores down to go on to win that game. Uh, so this is gonna be the, this can be no uh, no uh, no uh, easy test here for Nelsonville York. They're gonna have to play some of their best football to go out and win this game. Are they capable? I believe so. I think you're uh, it, it, the travel, obviously uh, not ideal situation there, but uh, I just think the fact that you went from. You know, last week it just seemed like, okay, this for our seniors, our last game at Boston Field, we're going to have to be Royal Warriors for the rest of this thing. Now that changed just because of that that 18 seed knocking off Centerburg there. So you, you just have so much motivation to play for because a win guarantees you a, a home game in the in the regional semifinal. I think that's huge, and I think that can really push a team to try to uh, to try to you know make some things happen. Absolutely, you know, and it's. You know, if, they, if they play as good as they've been playing over the past couple weeks, you know, it's going to be very hard to, to really slow down Nelsonville, York. I, if, if you take a look at the progression of Drew Carter, I mean, Drew Carter has, has been phenomenal ever since, you know, after the Wellston game. The first two games, I mean, you, you, two tough starts, right? You got Trimble, and then you got Wellston. But then you, you get a very impressive win over Megs, and at that time, Megs still had Coulter Cleland's uh, as their starting quarterback. Correct, and, and they were kind of surging at that point. Uh, they were 2-0. and They got the big coming from behind winning at Vinton County, and then uh, I believe they beat up on, I think it was River Valley or Alexander week two. At, uh, River Valley. River I, Valley. I remember yeah. uh, Cleveland set some kind of record. That's right, school passing record for yards in a game. That's right. He threw for like 360-something. Right. Lit him up. Yeah. Uh, it might have been 390-something. Yeah, it was a lot. It was a lot. <laughs> Colter Cleveland's a, a good quarterback, but so is Drew Carter. I mean, Carter right now, uh, since you know the beginning of the year, uh, 48 of 78 passes for 996 yards, 10 touchdowns, no interceptions. That's impressive for a guy who has not really been a quarterback his entire career. Forget about this year. I mean, he he was what a, a running back. He was a it was, he was another skilled position player. He's yeah. had to learn the quarterback position this year. And I think he's just done a phenomenal job. Yeah, I mean, talking preseason, Coach Richards seemed pretty confident in his ability to play quarterback. Thought, uh, you know, he, he described in their scrimmages he was throwing the ball over the field with ease and having no real issues. And then, you know, it's a tough test to be thrown in against a Trimble Tomcats team, your first ever varsity start. I mean, they can make a lot of guys look pretty bad. Um, so, you know, uh, but yeah, as you said, I mean, you take out that first game of the season, he's been pretty, pretty, pretty darn close to, you know, you know, flawless the rest of the season um obviously the wellston loss week two was tough as well but since then they've been able to get on a roll here they think i think they found their identity as an offense around that week three week four mark and they've just stick to it ever since and they've been rolling here um so you know you got to give any team that's as hot as they are any kind of shot to beat anybody on you know on any given field any given game um because that's just coach richards that just seems to be the trend here these past few years they just get better as the season rolls on now unfortunately you know, in a in a different situation, you know, those those two losses early season might hurt you. You might not even get to smell the playoffs. But luckily this year, everybody got got a bid, and they played well enough to get a get themselves a pretty good seating there. And you know, they're going to get a chance to show just how good they really are. Yeah, and that's what I'm really, that's what I like about this year. You know, the pressure was off. You didn't have to go down to week ten. You didn't have to watch the scoreboard. You didn't really have to 
you know, pay attention to anything that you were doing except for what you were doing within your own program. And you were just getting better week in and week out, and that's exactly what Nelsonville York had done. You know, they, they got the two losses out of the way at the beginning of the year uh, and have not let up more than just a touchdown since September 25th. I mean, River Valley, just a touchdown. Athens, a touchdown. Sims Valley, a touchdown. Now, Vinton County was the last one to get two touchdowns in the game. Meg's got a couple. Wellston, uh, of course, uh, 24-12. to 12, And then Trimble was, was the last big one. But the defense has improved every single week. And just like how we talked about the Tomcats, you know, revolving around their defense and being able to stop a lot of their teams, you know, so has been Nelsonville York. I mean, their offense might be a little, a tad bit more explosive, especially with the connection with Gale and Carter. But you know, it's majority been their, their defense that has stepped up huge during this you know, five-game winning streak. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and, you know, at this point of the season, I mean, we knew that that the defense had come around. They got that good front seven. It's really tough to run the football against them. And uh, they proved in the game against Athens as well. If you want to spread them out and try to, you know, put your four athletes on the field and try to, you know, outgun them, they can play that game too. Uh, they shut down Athens pretty darn well. We knew how many how many good athletes Athens would have on the field at a time. Um, so I think they're up for whatever challenge Fairland has for them. Um, if you want to come up and try to pound the ball and break them down that way, they can stand up to that. And I think they're pretty good at defending on the outside as well. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's now you have to prepare. And we, we said this a couple times this week, but against the Fairland you know, Dragons, you got to prepare for more than just the run. This is not a, a Sims Valley Viking team. Uh, this is not a you know, team that's just going to line up and try to run the ball down your throat because that would lead right into what Nelsonville, York is so successful in doing. Uh, but they're going to have to worry about the pass. If they can stop the pass, you're not really worried about the run. If they can stop the pass, they got Critter McDonald, who's a pretty good corner. Uh, and really, the whole team is talented, but you know, McDonald I've been impressed with uh, all, all season long. And with him and the rest of the, uh, you know, the backfield there, I, I think they can be all right. And um, this is a very, very winnable ball game for them. And I hope and anticipate seeing them next week as well. Yeah, it'll be a short trip for you if, uh, if they do that. So uh, that'd be nice. I mean, I I would hope that we could take you know the ambulance out there again, but we got to reposition that thing. That uh, yeah, we we can't have it behind the away bleachers. We learned that lesson. Uh, but it, it's it's adds to the atmosphere. You know, it adds a little bit of a a newer wrinkle. Um, uh, we we just can't keep it anywhere near the uh, away team bleachers. Uh, but now we know. You know. We learned last week, and now we'll get better by the time it happens next week. We'll take a short break right here on the Sports Fan. On the other side, OSU and Nebraska. Trevor Stevens will call in, give us a little bit of the breakdown about that. And I think he's going to talk some Bobcats, too, as the Bobcats are coming back on November 4th as they have the away opener as they take on Central Michigan on November 4th. Don't go anywhere. This is a sports fan on 970 and 97.1 FM. W-A-T-H. This is Ken Ryan. I'm running for probate and juvenile judge of Athens County. Since 1992, I've served Athens County in many ways. I've been a public school teacher for 12 years, government official and attorney for children, the elderly, and mentally ill. I've represented 115 children in juvenile court alone. After 28 years of service and more than 1,000 cases in probate and juvenile court, I've developed a level of experience that is unmatched in this race. Cast your vote for the experience choice. Paid for by Ken Ryan for Judge. 
Hey, it's Randy. We'll talk hubcaps, tips on buying a used car, and catch up with gearhead and comedian Bill Engvall. That's Auto Smarts Friday afternoon at 106 on 970 WATH and 97.1 FM. The thought of my sons growing up without me inspired me to quit smoking. I talked to my doctors and then I threw away all my cigarettes, ashtrays, and lighters. I started exercising instead of smoking. Staying away from alcohol when I was first quitting was key. I kept on trying, learned something each time. Do whatever it takes, no matter how many times it takes. We did it, so can you. For free help, call 1-800-QUIT-NOW. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and CDC. Flu shots are available now at Fruth Pharmacy. Protect yourself and others from the flu. It's never been easier. Walk in, call ahead, or get a flu shot in the safety and convenience of your own vehicle. Need other items? Don't forget about Fruit's curbside delivery and let Fruit do your shopping. The CDC recommends everyone over six months of age get a flu shot every year. With no charge on most insurances, what are you waiting for? Get your flu shot today at your local Fruit. Your hometown family pharmacy. From concrete to roofing to siding and windows, J&K Contracting has you covered from the ground up. Whether it's a room addition, a complete home build, or your commercial projects, let the professionals at J&K be of service from groundbreaking to completion. And don't forget they accept all major credit cards. They even have free seamless gutters with every complete roof installation. Don't hesitate to call J&K Contracting at 740-698-3521 for a free estimate. Now, for more of the Sports Fan on 970 WATH. Sports Fan 970 and 97.1 FM WATH. 6.43 on the clock on this 22nd day of October. And joining us now on the program, Trevor Stevens, Athens statistician. And I don't know, I mean, I can't just pigeonhole you right into the Athens statistician there, Trevor, because it seems like you got all the information about really anything that's going on. But, Trevor, how have you been? I'm doing good. That's good. And, you know, I'm sure you're excited. Nebraska gets back up and going again, uh, you know, coming up on this Saturday. They've got a very tough opponent in the Buckeyes, but you know, got to stay positive, right? I mean, you didn't have football last week. You get a couple, you get a Nebraska game coming up this week. Yes, I know. I'm excited, and the whole state of Nebraska is excited because Nebraska is basically the whole the team of the state. So we're excited down there, too. And you, know, you showed me, I don't know, you want to ask the question now to, uh, to Joey, or did you want to wait on that one? I was, I had, I was going to wait a bit. All right. I was going to preview the game and then ask the question. That's fine. I stay sharp all the time, baby. Whenever you want to fire, Trevor, I'm ready. (laughs) Okay. Well, let us have it, Trevor. First, I'm going to preview the game. So, Nebraska travels to Ohio State on Saturday. Ohio State leads the series 7-1, 5-5 wins, 0 losses in Columbus. This is actually the eighth meeting between 900-win teams in the history of college football, second between OSU and Nebraska, Uh, this is actually scheduling-wise. This is year five of the initial six-year Big Ten scheduling circuit. Nebraska and Ohio State are tournament crossover mm-hmm. games. Uh, one Nebraska. Nebraska enters head is, is led by head coach Scott Frost, who is entering his third year with a record of nine and fifteen. 
Nebraska returns all three rushes. The starting quarterback, which they just named yesterday. And for the first time in school history, Nebraska returns all of their starting offensive linemen who have total over 60 games of experience. Uh, the defense, we, the Husker defense, known as the Black Shirts, there's a long history to that. Goes back. Has to replace three players. And special teams, which has been an issue in the past, for the past three years, is a complete rehaul. So they have a new special teams coach, a new kicker, a new punter, a new long snapper, and a new holder. Like I said earlier, Husker special teams ranked 112th in the nation last year, the worst in school history. Nebraska has one Ohioan on the team, number 70, and 64 Nebraskans, and it's well known about Nebraska's walk-on program. And Nebraska has not released the depth chart for the, this week. The few notes they have on Ohio State is that they return 10 starters. They have won 20 straight season openers, 40 of the last 43. Ohio State has not lost a home opener since 1978, 34 years. Justin Fields, who was the Heisman candidate, returns as quarterback. The linebackers are the most experienced for the Buckeyes. And the secondary, which is the, which is losing three starters to the NFL, is supposed to be the weakest point. So for the question now, then you can give your thoughts. The mm-hmm. question is, the all-time longest streak without being shut who is the number one team on that list? Repeat that one more and time. how many games? So the longest active streak without being shut out. Okay. So who in college football is the longest team? The longest? Yeah. Okay, so there's one program that's gone there's the longest program being that, shut out. Yeah, there's one program at the top. Okay. And, of course, I got the answer. Trevor and I are, are, are close like that. Yeah, we... Man, okay. Let um, me know if you need a hint or anything. <laughs> I, I mean, I definitely need a hint. There's a lot of college programs out there. Well, all right, so Power Five. Right, is that is that fair, Trevor? Can I give him power five? Yeah, that's the first hint, and the, the second hint I was going to give is it began in 1988, if that's any help. Okay, 1988. So who's been that dominant that long? That can shut out. Or, I mean, they don't have to be dominant. They can just score a touchdown, a field goal, whatever. Okay, that makes me think it's a shocking, it's a shocking one. Uh, okay, so we told Connor this. I just have he to t- think. No, 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 no. So I think this has some kind of tie into Connor. So I'm going to go with Rutgers. No. no. Oh, come on. <laughs> Rutgers. You got to go with Rutgers as your, as your pick? No. I mean, if I'm, I mean, honestly, I think it's like, like, I would say probably like, I mean, I don't know. So many teams it's been, but like everybody goes so up and down. It's 1988. It's a long time. It's shocking that a team's actually gone that long without getting shut out one time. Uh, and it is active. Active. It's an active streak. I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm just. I'm gonna go too obvious. I'm gonna go with uh, Florida. Oh my gosh, that's correct. <laughs> <laughs> Boom. What the Gators have <laughs> won? Have played 401 games without being shut out. And Nebraska's <laughs> on this list at number seven. This okay. is the Nebraska media guy. Nebraska has an active streak with 307 games, but 
two years ago, in 2017 or 16, when mm-hmm. the Huskers played in Columbus, Nebraska needed a field goal in the fourth quarter to extend that streak with it. Or else the Buckets would have ended it there. Was that the sixty-two to three game? Is that yes. one? <laughs> and I was at That's that funny. game in the Nebraska section. Right. That's pretty I, good there. I How about that first try, huh? Uh, can we get a little credit here? I should have said nothing. Yeah, I thought I thought my question was going to be better than like twice <laughs> Friday night because it made people think. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I can I verify it. I was I was watching him. No phone. No. Uh, yeah, I didn't give him any hints right here in the studio, so yeah, that it's a credit to Joey. You got it right off the bat. Yeah, I mean, I feel like Florida, like despite their downs, they've never been a team that's you know been really bad. I mean, even you know in the basically, past. yeah. So Florida was, and Nebraska had a stretch in the nineties. Right. Nebraska and Florida played in the ninety-seven championship. No, the ninety-six championship game where mm-hmm. Nebraska scored sixty-two points. In that game and blew out Florida in the national championship game. Gotcha. But Florida has, and you think Florida with the SEC, they would have been shut out like Bama or LSU. But. Right. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Now, Trevor, uh, pivoting back to Nebraska here for a little bit. Uh, I know you talked about it. Scott Frost's third season uh, taking over. Of course, there were some big expectations after what he did with uh, UCF, leading them to an undefeated season. What does he have to do for you this year to kind of start to validate the hire a little bit? Because obviously you mentioned not the greatest record his first couple seasons. So this goes back to his playing days. Scott Frost used to be Nebraska's quarterback in a stretch that they have won most of the games that many of the fans around here would probably recognize that stretch mm-hmm. of five years when Nebraska won four championships in five years. Right. The... Basically, he was a player, so that's one thing everyone thought when they hired him, oh, he's going to take us back because it because he bought him out of UCF, of Central Florida. But he did, if you look closely, he's improved stats-wise, but yardage has gone up, and he's improved one game each year. Yeah, so you would say that give him some more time. To, to try to continue to build a program. Yes, and Nebraska gave him, like, a, a ton of money for, like, a seven-year deal mm-hmm. to begin with because they said that they need he needs time. And then COVID hit, so you're not sure because that's an, another topic for another day is how, with the NCAA giving everyone an extra year, this is where it goes into the Bobcats because, Smaller schools, it's going to be more effective. Well, big schools, it hurts their recruiting. And more players will choose for the NFL instead of return next spring or next fall. Or this coming, next fall. So that's, where, that's another topic for another day. Yeah, I mean, of course, just to touch on it a little bit, uh, I, I think it could be, while it is nice that every single student athlete gets another year of eligibility, while it's beneficial for, you know, the people who still want to be here, still want to play, still want to compete, uh, you know, people could be here for almost eight eight years now uh, at the college level. And just think about the upcoming recruiting class because these high school kids are not getting stopped. You know, it's not like college. The, the high school kids are coming. And that could create a huge logjam 
for not only big schools, but I, I think the smaller schools too across the college landscape. A lot of a lot of programs uh, could have you know freshmen just sitting on the bench for two years until they even sniff the varsity lineup because uh, you have the other guys, you have the older guys, and uh, unless it's a talent like a Trevor Lawrence or a, a Justin Fields or somebody who's you know going to immediately make an impact on a, on a position that could be you know, one of your weaker spots. Uh, yeah, th- these kids might just ride the bench for a little while until you know, two, three years. The same projections show what I have read and heard is it could be five, at least five years down the road before a team so basically would feel like the back in nice and smooth about recruiting. Because NCAA is still giving out 25 scholarships per year. That's not changed. Mm-hmm. It's only that each player basically gain an automatic red shirt if they choose to take it at the end of the year. Now, do you know if they could just split up the, uh, let's say you have 125 scholarships, right? Could you then make, let's, let's call it 100, split it up and take those, make an additional 50 out of those 125 scholarships instead of full ride? Could you just make them a half ride? I'm not sure about that, but I know I'm not sure about that. That's a question for someone else. Mm -hmm. I didn't know if you you knew or not. Uh, The one thing I wanted to to verify with you before we go on to the Bobcats for a little bit, uh, I saw that you sent me an article, and I would have to go back and read it, but with the OHSAA, and right now there's no neutral sites listed. You know, they've been having a hard time trying to find a neutral site that will take in a bunch of you know, fans and teams from across the state. Um, is it true that at the regional finals now, because it was up until the regional semifinals, but for the regional finals, could that be a home game for, let's say, a Trimble or for a, a Nelsonville, York? I know that the September 30th item fit to the school memo sent to the school, it said that it was the regional, at least the regional semi-finals with all caps. But I, but there was talk earlier that to include, it said like, and slash or the regional finals. So it was talked out there earlier. Mm -hmm. So I think it wasn't a surprise, but they said that for the state, at least the state semifinals and the state finals, there's going to be no one location. It's going to be at different states, like all different places across the state for right. those. And those would try to be neutral sites as well as they're looking at some like smaller colleges if they can get on their field in order to increase to get sales because the OHSA gets all ticket sales from mm-hmm. postseason, like, and there are none, and none of it's going back to the schools this year, if you haven't heard about that. Yeah, I mean, that's... Ticket yeah. prices, OHSA board controls ticket prices, and some of the events have raised their ticket prices by the board in order to help get, close the gap from the pandemic on OHSA. Right. And I, I did find the article here, and this was from Mike uh, Dyer about the WCPO, and the uh, the headline says, you know, OHSA says, higher-seeded football teams will have choice 
to host the regional finals. State semifinals will be at neutral sites. Uh, so I guess that answers that question. But for you, Trevor, I mean, we, we've still got the Bobcats a little bit while we got some short time. Uh, within a minute, you know, you ready for uh, some Bobcat football coming up on the 4th? Yes. It's going to be a difficult stretch, especially with the West, especially with Central Michigan, because after, not Athens, Ohio hasn't beaten Central Michigan in a long time, I don't think, or at least they have very few wins against them. And Miami has beat us three times, even though... Yeah, we don't talk about Miami. Even though <laughs> playing at Miami... Even though when playing in Miami, it feels like a COVID season because no one shows up, at least the game, the two <laughs> games I've been out there. But, but they're still yeah. a pretty good team, and, the, that, and they have beaten us the last two years. And if we would have beat them, Trevor, we'd be in the MAC championship. We probably would have won the MAC championship because we beat that one year. We beat Toledo at home, and they were going to, and they went on to play in the MAC championship. So we already beat them once. Yeah, and then they beat up on Buffalo the one year too. Yeah, I remember that. Well, Trevor, we got to let you go, but always appreciate you calling in, and you know, hope to see you sometime soon. Yep. Thanks, Trevor, and thank you to all the callers and to Samantha Weesmith for calling in, giving us a little update on the Trimble Tomcats as that game is tomorrow. 6.50 for the pregame. Heath Clemens and I will be over on WXDQ Power 105. And then on Saturday, out to Proctorville for Nelsonville, York, and the Fairland Dragons. For Joe Midor, I'm Connor Mills signing off. CBS News is next. Thanks for listening. You know.